Hey everybody, on this week's episode of Source Code, we have Josh Hawken from Transcend Coffee in Alberta, Canada. Josh is a dear friend of mine. We've traveled together uh, for the past couple of years, meeting him back in 2016 in Colombia. And uh, we've been to a couple of countries together, have uh, shared a lot of great memories and stories. And uh, today's episode, we're going to talk to Josh about their views on sustainability and how Transcend uh, approaches coffee buying. So stick around and enjoy the show. We, you went straight into the, the, the next place that we were going to go about quality and a living wage. And it can totally be as simple as that, that uh, it, it shouldn't be a part of the conversation. Yeah. If, as soon as you say that quality should be tied to a, a living wage, the implication is that people who are producing coffee that is below your threshold for quality don't deserve a living wage, which is, uh, it's horrendous. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an example of some of the horrendous trade practices that have historically happened in green coffee. I agree. So along with that, what do you have an overarching uh, sourcing strategy at Transcend? Um, what's, what, what's funny about us is that we're still learning a lot. Um, we find we have the most success in reaching the most, like the most people when we buy coffees that are certainly more like affordable and us being in Canada and all, all, all of our contracts being in US dollars and being sort of s- subject to price, uh, one extra uh, layer of price volatility, um, we definitely want to keep prices at a certain level. Uh, that said, our, our, our minimums are quite high in comparison and so our strategy is we want to find uh, as many coffees uh, in a broad range of what I'm going to call a more immediately desirable profiles. So like ones that don't require uh, people to have more experience or like ones that might be just like more generally accepted as having a, like a classic flavor profile uh, or like, you know, in that realm of classic anyway. Um, we, we, we try to find those and then we augment that with, with um, uh, more interesting uh, expensive offerings as well. Uh, but that's like our approach from a flavor point of view, but from a, from an how we do business point of view, uh, we prefer to uh, generate long-term relationships with producers. We have producers that we've worked with in, in Costa Rica for uh, 13 years. Wow. Right. So, um, that's, that's what we would rather do. Yeah. That uh, 13 years is a, how old is transcend? 15 years. That's great. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's uh, all right. So it's relationship focused, um, quality, you said you're sort of looking to find uh, like value for the majority of the coffees, and then you kind of augment with some special releases. So, you know, these, this all lines up with uh, sort of what we're looking to do. Um, I, I sort of wanted to move into the next area of the conversation, talking about labels. Um, so we or here in Chicago, you know, we have Intelligentsia is one of the 
you know, classic at this point, classic roasters uh, that sort of started this direct trade model and direct trade has mm -hmm. become its own version of a label. Um, other than that, you have, you know, fair trade, bird friendly, there's other certifications out there. What are your thoughts on, on labels and standards for, for green coffee? I think as long as the labels themselves don't become like self-serving vehicles, uh, then I'm all for uh, ways to ensure that more equitable and sustainable uh, business is being done. And, but at the same time, uh, you know, you, you talk to producers who go, I don't really have the extra money to certify myself as organic. I'd, um, uh, I've had this conversation with many producers that, that, that we work with and they go, Josh, does it, does Transcend care if I'm certified uh, this or that? Um, is that going to impact your, your, your business if, if I am? And I go, no, why? They're like, well, it costs thousands of dollars and that's just money that we don't have. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of record keeping. Um, and it's just, you know, we would prefer that we didn't spend that money. And I, I fully respect that. But when, when that happens, uh, what we need to do is establish some other form of trust, because that's what these labels are meant to convey is that you can trust that this meets these standards. And that trust is, is established through rigorous record keeping and through verification, audits, like things like that. And that does cost money to do. And that's why in a lot of cases, these certifications do, do um, cost money. Uh, but if you can, you know, if <laughs> I don't have that rigorous data myself, I'm not keeping that level of data. I have to be very upfront about that. Mm -hmm. But if I'm there all the time, if I'm, if I'm visiting at least once a year with the exception of perhaps COVID. Right. Um, and, and if we're in constant contact and if we're, uh, if, you know, if, if we've been working together for eight years, that, that it was eight years at that point with this one particular producer I have in mind, I don't, I don't feel bad putting my trust in them, but then I have to find a way to engender that trust or like to earn that trust from people who buy from us. Mm -hmm. All that has to, all that has to happen. And it's not enough to, to have a picture of you at that farm, which is, which is what happens sometimes. It's, it's not enough to just, uh, 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 say that you're, you work with, with coffee farmers. It's not enough to say right. you're direct trade because direct trade does mean a lot of different things. I can tell you what it means to us. Uh, we don't really say direct trade that much. We try to talk about the relationships that we have, mm -hmm. um, but we try to tell stories of, of the people. We're not trying to pull wool over people's eyes. I also think that we don't want to denigrate people who don't necessarily uh, jive with the way that we do business. We just have our values we work with people who share those values and we, we, we try to bring that through in the way that we talk to our staff and customers. Yeah. I think a part of the, the verbiage around direct trade was so much about taking the importer out of the equation. And I know for us, it's uh, it's not, uh, 
not at all a part of the picture. We, we work very closely with importing companies and, and they, yeah. they're essential to the way we do business. I do not have an import license. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. And, and I'll, most I'll, of us I'll, don't have the spare cash to buy no. 10 months worth of coffee. What is like, you know, let's say you're trying to plan six months of coffee per- purchases. How much does six months worth of coffee cost here? Probably 120000 I mean, if we're talking a blender lot, you Yeah, that's one coffee. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. 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 So think about all the coffees across your menu. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of money. Do you have that money just hanging around? In my bank account. Yeah. I'm not yeah, kidding. Def- I don't definitely have it. not. <laughs> wow. No, we do not. <laughs> Keep that in. Don't edit that out, by the I'm way. I'm editing that out. <laughs> no, it's imp- no, we need, we, you know, importers are, are crucial uh, partners in the supply chain. Without them, um, it would be, it's, it's just, you know, they're the ones who finance, uh, you know, and, and work out uh, all, all of the things that we have zero experience in. That's their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's, you know. What a horrible waste it would be of an yeah. exporter's time to have to deal with hundreds of individual tiny one container importers. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> what an insane waste of their time. Yeah. And so um, I think what, like whenever I talk to my staff about like, you know, my job, uh, you know, obviously like in a lot of senses, we center ourselves because we're egotistical, you know, coffee <laughs> buyers are all ego, egomaniacs. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> but we do, <laughs> we have to understand that like where, wherever we put money, like we want to make sure that we're getting value for it. And so there is, you know, a massive power imbalance uh, and that, that I believe people think probably goes highest to lowest as you go upstream, but it really kind of like, I, in, in a lot of ways, if you have tiny roasters here, tiny producers here, the power kind of goes like, I mean, we're not, they're not going to see this in the middle is where the, the bulk of the power is. You can use, you can use the amount of money that's being transferred around as a proxy for the power, I think. And so large scale exporters, large scale importers do have a fair amount of, of sway with things, right? They can, they do a lot of price negotiation. They handle creation of markets and, and, and access to those markets and things. And um, so it's important that whenever we talk about the work that we do with importers or exporters, that we are working with people, with people again, that we trust. It's not just trusting the producers and the producers trusting us, it's everyone in between that that trust has to flow through. Right. Yeah. Those, the, the, the trusted import partners are completely essential to uh, this transparent trade that we're trying to participate in. Um, do you guys, do you work with transparent trade coffee at all? We, we have donated uh, data to them, but we, we didn't participate in the larger project, but uh, we were fully aware of it. Yeah. The, the guy who started it, uh, Peter Roberts is uh, from Edmonton. Ooh. Yeah, oh, yeah. We I, we emailed a couple times, but I I uh, I'm not sure if he's gonna listen to this. Probably not. But yeah, he he was not extremely responsive, but probably due to being very busy. But yeah, we uh, yeah we there's definitely like you know there there are projects really interesting because I know a lot of notable roasters donated their uh, um, data to uh, to their efforts and. Um, I am curious to know a little bit more, and you might be able to answer this more of like the impact of being able to 
produce uh, FOB prices and also uh, how they always publish the return to origin percentage, like how, uh, you know, the, how, how that project has connected with consumers. I don't know. Do, do you have a little bit of information on that front? Well, we've been uh, data donors for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, I was on their website earlier and I, I haven't really seen a ton from them yeah. in a long time. They put out the transaction guide. Uh, like the 2020 specialty coffee transaction guide, uh, which sort of gives like gave like an aggregate amount of like an aggregate data mm -hmm. on you know average prices paid versus average prices sold and things like that, which I think is good work. I think just the more people putting that effort out there to 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 show uh, what prices are yes. out there, yeah. Uh, the better. Um, I don't think, I think that it, we, uh, it can be easy to like look at and go, well, I pay more than these guys. So I'm better. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to, is to shed light on something that, you know, people kept secret for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be taboo. Although it still seems like I, I will say that I, I, we published a transparency report our first one ever uh, a couple of months ago. And I had somebody come at me, <laughs> troll me online about it. And, you know, and, and I understand some of the, you know, the, I understand what this individual was trying to say they, and they weren't wrong, you know, like they're um, essentially just saying like this, this doesn't prove anything. It doesn't sort of, uh, it doesn't prove that the price, the FOB price that we're publishing is actually in fact sustainable to the producer. And he's totally right. But at the same time, mm -hmm. like, where's the starting point? Like, how do we include the general public or, or, or more or consumers that have a, you know, they, they support specialty coffee. They'll pray. They'll, they'll, they pay the 20, the $25 price range retail. And, you know, they, how, how do we, how do we include them into the conversation? And I think the transparency uh, guide is a, it's a great way to do that. And uh, of course it leaves other questions open, but we got to start somewhere, you know, because I, yeah. I, I still, my challenge, personal challenge is not, it's knowing how we can more effectively talk about not only the price we pay, but also like every single cost from raw to, you know, finished product and, um, and put it in a way that consumers can understand like, wow, I see the value of supporting this type of company. And granted, we're not the only ones doing it. There are plenty of companies doing it uh, and doing an amazing job at it. But um, I, I feel like, you know, part of the journey with creating this, uh, this magazine and this uh, publication was to um, take part in sort of a similar in what the transaction guide is doing. You know, it's just to to just publish information to educate consumers, and it's not going to answer everyone's questions. In fact, it probably will open up new sort of holes into it, and that's the point: is that people can find uh, what's missing. And and so the podcast is really our way of filling in those holes, you know, like to, to talk to other buyers who have different perspectives like yourself to sharing, you know, just a, a different perspective on the importance of equitable coffee buying. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm on board with all of that. I don't think that the transaction guide is a, is itself designed to be an end or, or that work was, was ever meant to be an end. It was the start of, of that, because you, you're not going to be able to get to the next level of complexity 
or the next, you know, the, the follow on questions without starting somewhere. And so is it worth starting there? Absolutely. But there, has, there actually has to be more and it has to be an appetite for that as well. Um, uh, for are that any, to grow. Are, oh, are no, there I'm any sorry. big six? Oh yeah. Are there any big successes that you feel like you've had to transcend with communicating any of this information to customers? The, the great question about that is like, what does a big success feel like where, where people like, are, are, are we growing? Yeah. 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 A little bit. Right. Yeah. We, we measure business growth. I, yeah. I guess for me, it's always right. like, yeah, we, this is so much of what we focus on and it, it's always at the same time. It's like, you know, me and Xavier, we're, we're talking about how we've, we've been doing some uh, brewing informational videos and they've gotten a, a great response and we're trying to figure out, you know, we, this really fires us up so much. And how do we communicate that to mm -hmm. the customer who needs to be informed to, to care about paying the, the fair prices? Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I struggle with a lot, and I mean, this is a very, very like basic analysis. Like in fact, it's a pretty shitty analysis if I'm being honest. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's a, it's a shitty analysis, but like whenever you go through like a coffee roasters, Instagram, let's say, and they post, photos of their baristas, their roasters, of their coffee, of their community, uh, they'll get a certain number of likes. And then you produce it, and then you look at the, the photos that they have of coffee producers and coffee producing countries and things like that. Almost without exception, those have less engagement on them. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, and it's not because the, the, the pictures aren't beautiful and it's not because the stories aren't compelling necessarily, but I feel like it's remote to a customer's experience of, co of, of coffee. Roasting itself is like remote enough. I've had enough people come up, like when we used to roast in, in a view of the public, you know, people would be like, that's a big grinder you got there. You know what I mean? Like- oh, we get the same the, comments here. Oh yeah. <laughs> the concept of it is, is just like, no, 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 we drink coffee. You guys do everything to let me drink coffee. And with that in mind, I always go, it shouldn't matter whether or not a customer knows uh, how we do business or like how business, how, how business is done. Like we should make that information available. Absolutely. For people who care, but that shouldn't change. Like I, I'm not going to go, well, my customers don't care if I pay, uh, if I pay enough for coffee for producers to live off of. Uh, I, we do it because it's the right thing to do. And we don't, we don't necessarily know where those lines are all the time, but we try to pay more and we try to pay a more sustainable wage. But we were also, again, uh, this is kind of like a bit of a diversion. I am not an expert in the economics of rural Southern Colombia or any other coffee producing area. And that's right. a, one more place where uh, trusted exporting partners as well work mm -hmm. because some of the exporters that both you and I work with, Xavier, know this stuff and have done work on, a, on, on figuring this stuff out and have gone to us and said, this is what we think the sustainable wage is based on this information. Will you take part in this? Yeah. And, and we look I, at, at the prices and we're like, holy smokes, that's more than, we, than, than we've been paying. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, uh, I remember... But, one particular one where Sarah, uh, she was sitting with us and she was like literally the both of us uh, in the same room. And she's like, all right, so this is uh, this is the breakdown. Here's what uh, poverty 
poverty prices per carga. Here's the minimum price and here's the sustainable price. And you literally jumped out like the second it's like sustainable price for all of them, for like all the lots. And there was like, you didn't, you didn't bat an eye, you just didn't blink. It was, and I don't know if you remember that. I remember, I mean, maybe the way you remember it is different than I did, but it, it, it you, you were so eager to um, pay more and were so happy that they were provided you with the context and uh, data information to make a better decision. And that's, and, and I was happy to see that. I was happy to see an example outside of how I had, I, I have envisioned buying coffee and no, and, and against knowing someone else that was very similar in that front that, and so that's, that's why the sustainable uh, coffee buyers guide was such a, um, a, a turning point for me, you know, and, and I would say, I think yeah. for all of us who work for Azahar. So I, I think yeah. the, that buyer's guide came out or like a pilot version came out uh, while we were in Colombia one year and Tyler was reading it on a plane and I was like, Hey, can I take a look at that? And it was life-changing. It was so important. Like, uh, like the amount of work that went into that uh, and just the most, the most insane thing was like at a certain point, like what, what, like, you know, scale matters. You can't like, uh, no matter what the price is, if you are only farming on, half a hectare of land like mm-hmm. it's so hard to make a living off of that and then also uh once you get to a certain point in your like planting density how the amount of input you need to get the yields required to make it an, an uh, a suitable income doesn't make any sense no so yeah. there's all sorts of good good on the ground thinking about how to maximize the value generated for producers in their planting and mm-hmm. in their harvesting, it's that was yeah. great stuff. Absolutely, like, truly and excellent stuff. Yeah, and and you know, going back every year, and you see the difference made just by, um, just just by, ad- not 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 necessarily adopting this way of coffee buying, but just ha- understanding the impact based on the information they've provided. Which, um, if if we as, as buyers make better decisions which we we do um it it should cover their cost of production it should be adequate funding for their inputs and to pay pickers better and also healthcare. you know and that's and that's kind of the whole conversation colin and i've had prior to, to the launching the podcast is that we want to you know i like i i appreciate and love that we both work with azahar because we both understand this um fully um but yeah, we're often thinking about how can this be applied in other countries, you know, like, and I know that's, that's a question beyond much bigger than myself um, and many people I know, but I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this will evolve into a program that could be carried into other countries. Yeah, well, I think every country's circumstances are different, yeah. obviously. Like, I mean, I was, fortunate not, I was fortunate enough to be introduced to Jose via you. Mm-hmm. And Jose is doing, uh, you know, his own project in in yeah. in Hayen in Peru. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I don't think he's going about it exactly the same way that Azahar is. Sure. Uh, Azahar's obviously got like it's you know it's run by American by an American mm-hmm. guy, and it's got it's got some big funding backing it, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, mm-hmm. um, but 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 anyway, they like you know. Uh, Jose is 
doing what he does in Peru. And I think he's doing a great job. Yeah. And I think he's making a big difference there. Uh, yeah. I think he wants to grow and I think he wants to like Im- improve that stuff as well. I don't think he's doing the same level of research that Azahar is. Yeah. But there's no reason that, that he couldn't do it. Oh, absolutely. If he wanted to. And I'm sure he wants yeah. to at some point. Yeah. Got, and, I, I, I feel yeah. bad putting words in his mouth, but maybe, yeah, hey. no, he is. And, and I know that's, it's something that comes up quite a bit, even talking to Ryan before he left, you know, he, uh, he, he was working with Jose uh, origin coffee lab in Peru. And he's talked about like, yeah, it's a bummer that I probably may not be traveling as much to, to other countries as I normally would have, but I'd, I'd love to consider going back to visit uh, uh, origin coffee lab and go to Peru Um and I had mentioned to him, you know, it's like, I think that Azahar's involvement, whether direct or indirectly, like working with other exporters in other countries with just to trade information and be able to, um, you know, sort of have an open source, you know, uh, approach to how Azahar does business and how other businesses can draw inspiration from it. It, it, it seemed really appealing to Ryan. So he said like, yeah, I'm going to take it up and see if I can, you know, pitch that. But um, yeah, I know like Jose is definitely like, and, and his team and, and, uh, and high end are doing a lot of, uh, really positive work, which I think that's where you, we, both of our companies find a lot of value in that relationship. And what's really cool is that Peru didn't seem, at least for me anyways, it wasn't on my radar prior to meeting Jose, you know, like I, and, um, you know, so it just, and now it seems to be more and more the country, not, not the go-to country per se, but like a lot of beautiful coffees are going out of that country. And uh, we're really grateful for the opportunity to work with people like Jose um, because that, uh, yeah, like understanding how much we're paying for coffee, having that element of transparency and quality is, is, is crucial. So that's uh you know, our, our job on our end is to do a, a good job roasting it and to and communicate to the consumers the story. And uh, so far, so good. Um, yeah. yeah, we have to make it worthwhile for a, for a consumer to yeah. to spend their money with us. Yes. And that and that, and to yeah. be honest, that that does go beyond uh, buying buying practices and coffee quality and all that stuff. It it goes into your company ethos and how you interact with your customers too. All, all of that makes a difference because the more coffee that we can buy the way that we buy it, the better off, I mean, we think. Like, like I, I should say the less coffee that get, like the less share of coffee that gets sold at suboptimal prices is better. This isn't a panacea. This isn't like the, the only solution to, to all problems in the world, to all problems with coffee at all, but it's like at least the minimum, right? And just working to achieve the minimum is a lot of work. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's almost like I've been, I've been thinking over the last few conversations that we've been having, there's this, uh, it, it's kind of making me realize that over the course of my work in specialty coffee, I've, I've been seeing, you you have these initial companies. uh, I like to you know, give credit to Stumptown, Intelligentsia, Counterculture in the States for like the big three. Yeah, they they were the ones that that sort of started this this uh this type of green coffee buying practice. And I think, I think that I think that Allegra gets left out of that equation a lot. Allegra. We well let's give let's give them all credit. I think um 
well, the, I, the thought is that there was a lot of idealism in the way that this, uh, this area of the industry was, was started. And it seems like we're all collectively in different stages, but still moving into this, this next phase of like, how do we like, let's, let's be a little bit more analytical about this. Let's, let's pick it apart. How do we like, is this being, is this type of buying affecting the positive change that we think it is? Um, it's, and I, it's, it's really bringing us to a lot of, of super interesting places. Um, for people who are out there that are newer to the industry, um, that are looking to make a career out of, out of specialty coffee, um, and you know, I, it, 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 let's say people who are interested in, in green coffee specifically, what advice would you give to them? Uh, like what, what direction would you send yourself if you were starting fresh right now? So when I look back on like my own career trajectory, uh, there's a lot of luck. Uh, and then I was in the right place at the right time. I was in a company that was growing, uh, a person who had that job who didn't want it, I was ideally suited to do it. And so there's like, you know, there's no discounting the luck mm -hmm. aspect of it because, you know, the serendipitous timing, the, I've always been like super interested in coffee. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time practicing and, and, and reading and like developing skills. I think skill development is, is really, really important. And I don't know if people who are new to the industry uh, are like, you know, like everyone typically starts out uh, in like some sort of cafe job. There are obviously exceptions to that, but lots of people, lots of people starting in a cafe job and um, any coffee company is really going to train you to the point where you're able to provide the maximum value to them. And so if you're training to be a barista, you're going to learn to make coffee to their standards. You're going to hopefully learn a bit more. You're going to learn customer service. You're going to learn how, how a cafe operates. But most companies don't have the resources to train you beyond that. Hmm. You have to go out and look for those opportunities yourself. Now, you're going to get, you should obviously go to like a cafe or like or a company that trains you well and gives you the, like the, 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 the strong fundamentals in coffee that let you grow they they're going to build a strong foundation for you and you will you are as well and so uh don't turn down opportunities to meet other coffee people don't turn down opportunities to uh uh like taste with other coffee people don't turn down opportunities to like go and meet people like go and travel to coffee events if you can Get involved when events come, like you know, come back on. When you, if you can get to like the SCA show and mm -hmm. get and like just meet people, um, if you can take some courses and, and that stuff. Like I, I don't think those courses are going to be like everything. That they're not going to they're not going to teach you everything you need to know. But that stuff is useful. Uh, wow, right, it I'm helps just make saying a, a lot of garbage. We like. Oh, I, you, know, you should I, go and learn things. Yeah, that, I mean, it's it's good for people to hear. Yeah, um, I, I, I think, I think. Sorry, but the the point that I really want to make is, don't don't assume that a company is going to do all that work for you. Right. They're going to 
look for a, a company that trains and, and treats you well and pays you well. Um, but there's a, like a lot of an initiative that you have to take yourself. Right. And, and I think maybe that's not I, fair to, it's not, maybe it's not fair, but that's how it is. Like, like we don't have time to like bring every, everybody up. Right. If, if we have 30 staff, uh, the ones who come up to us and ask us questions are the ones who get, who get more attention in that regard. It's just, it's just the truth because we, we, we can't spend all of our time uh, on that for everybody. Like we can certainly try to create opportunities, but again, if you, if you want to ask more questions, get in touch with me because I, I, I can hopefully point you in the right direction. Or oh, you let me right to it. How, how might somebody get in touch with you if they'd like to? Sure. My, uh, my name, uh, Josh at my company, transcendcoffee.com. Great. Uh, that's T-R-A-N-S-C-E-N-D coffee.com. Uh, I'm not like super active on social media, if I'm being very honest. Uh, I lurk a lot more than I post though, but like I'm mm -hmm. on Twitter and Instagram. My name, Josh Hawken, J-O-S-H-H-O-C-K-I-N. Um, uh, I'm not going to give my phone number on the podcast. Oh, that's, that's, okay. that's fair. That's fair. You can it, give it to me afterwards. It's fine. It's 911. I'll, I'll post that. <laughs> Uh, but it's, it's so tough, uh, to get started because like, if I'm trying to think, I mean, how many people have the kind of job I have in Canada? It's not many. Yeah. There aren't a ton of, there aren't a ton of companies that have like, and, and that have like a person whose job is buying and my job, my whole job isn't even buying. Like I do a lot of other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Which is good um, but, for people to hear. I think there's very few people who only buy green coffee. You need to work for a company that's sourcing at least 250,000 pounds of green coffee a year to mm -hmm. really have a dedicated full-time buyer, I think. And, and How even close then are we to that, Xavier? We're at 249,000. So we, uh, so that means I got to fire myself. <laughs> you're at least you're at least two hundred fifty thousand. No, no, we're we're there. Yeah, yeah, we're both. Well, that's the good thing is since Colin's been on board, we're kind of uh, we're we're sharing more of that, which is really really great. So now it's I, I feel like I I can take some of the pressure off having to really consider everything in terms of what we're going to offer our menu, and really just Colin now is in charge of putting all the coffees on the menu. He's uh, working with uh, Costa Rica who work with Selva coffee uh, what up to Perry if he's listening um, uh, that's they're both homies and uh, yeah and and you know like as, as we um, you know this, this pandemic year we haven't been traveling so we've just been sitting still and waiting for things to happen but the goal was for the both of us to be traveling or be splitting countries and just be really like both uh, active and um, visiting our current partnerships and forging new ones. But uh, of course the pandemic really kind of threw that plan out the window. And now that things are uh, opening back up, countries are accepting buyers where we'll start to look at uh, the next couple of months and see, uh, yeah, see where we're gonna go to next. In fact, we, we may be going to uh, Colombia in July. Hopefully, are you, you th thinking about traveling? Uh, so I am uh, thankfully fully vaccinated. Um, we, uh, uh, in Canada, we had a bit of a slow start, but we're catching up really well. I don't plan on traveling again until, uh, 
<laughs> man, I wish. Until I July. <laughs> I would I would love to go to Colombia in July. I think that's like the right time to go for yeah. like where I, I buy a lot of coffee from Nariño. That's yeah. the right time. That's easily that's the best we're time going. to go for us. Yeah. Fine. Then it's done. And don't, no. Tell don't the do missus. No, no, no. Don't it's happening. This. We'll send you the dates. Uh, y'all. Come on. How, how's, you know, I'm like, going to bug you. <laughs> what I want to do is make sure that uh, like. You get first class I, done. <laughs> that the countries are, <laughs> that the countries are like, like we're not. Yeah. I, I, I saw people, you know, like. I saw posts of like of buyers, you know, in Guatemala and in Costa Rica and in Colombia and places like, you know, when the pandemic was still fairly raging. Sure. Yeah. And it, the attitude that it, it conveyed to me was a, uh, fuck all these people. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one's Calling taking this out, away from up. me. Yeah. And I, I same, really, yeah. I yeah. really didn't like that. And I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm creating unnecessary risk when I go. Yes. Yeah. Right? Makes sense. Uh, obviously, not traveling hurts. Like, uh, I mean, forget like you know the enjoyment that you get from it, which is part of why you do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you go to a place and you're able to taste through hundreds of different coffees, and you're getting you know representative samples now of like a couple in yeah. comparison, like it's totally different. But one of the advantages of having like the long-term relationships is like the people that we work with; they know what we like, they know what we buy. They, they, they know us. Oh, yeah. Right. So they're, they're not they don't have to worry about, you know, like if one producer is producing, you know, several lots and hundreds of bags, they're not going to send me everything. They're just going to be like, yo, this is like in the in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the other advantages is that actually like you invest in, in, in the relationships and you can avoid some of the. Like uh, the the work later down the road. That and that might include, yeah, like roasting and cupping an extra hundred coffees in, a, in, a, in a, over the course of a couple of days, which, like, I I, I appreciate, I, I love doing, but not to that extent all the time. Yeah. Truthfully, thank you so much for considering me. I of hope course. that I have like at least some perspective yes. that's that, that's worthwhile. It was awesome. Oh, it was great. Thanks, Josh. <laughs>